Hello, and welcome to the Pretty Pixels podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joey Crunwell. And I am the lesser host, Tablet. That's right. You finally know your place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and... How are you doing? So we're we're getting ready to hit summer, and I know you yeah. went out on the water today, right? How how did I that know, go? I know. Yeah, I went fishing with my parents. Um, they have a small boat, and we went out on one of the uh, local lakes east of town, and we were out there for uh, three and a half, four-ish hours, and we caught, we actually caught quite a few sizable, um, sun, mostly sunfish, a couple of bluegills. Um, I sent you a picture. I, I, I got a bass and it would have been big <laughs> enough, but it's not in season. I think it's like two more weekends, but it was definitely like 16 inches. Yeah. Um, and I think it has to be 14 or 15. So I was very excited. I don't know if you've ever brought in a somewhat sizable fish, but it's always like, oh my God, what do I got? Because <laughs> sometimes the little fish, like they fuck with you and you're like, this thing's huge. And then you get it in the boat and you're like, I shouldn't have exaggerated how, how much pull was on this, but no, it was it was fun bringing that in. So, yeah, it was nice being out in the sunshine. It's a beautiful day here. It's in the, the mid-70s, um, sunny, but also with a bit of a breeze. So that is that is lovely. But how are you? I'm pretty good. The weather's been really nice here as well. So I don't know if we've mentioned before in the podcast, you're in Michigan, I'm in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Our weather ends up being very similar. A lot of times I'll be Most like, of the time, yeah. oh, it's raining here. And you're like, yep, it's raining, raining here too, or maybe like a few hours later. So uh, it's starting to warm up here finally. I feel like we had a pretty early spring. Mm-hmm. And then, God, this is what kind of podcast is like? We're old people talking about weather. What is going <laughs> we on? We are old people. <laughs> but it is very nice out, and, and I'm glad that things are starting to warm up. I love being able to go out at night and walk Bella, my cat. And uh, so I'm I'm glad for that. But, uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. let's take off our geriatric pants and um, get back to... <laughs> Wait, what would that be? Are we I don't wearing, know. like, adult diapers? What? I don't know if that's they're safe. Just, it's, like, it's like those kind of pants that are, like, really stiff and they're really short. They, like, show your ankles, you know, like those old people. You oh, know what I'm saying? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what even is this? Every I don't even, week it's some ridiculous We should just start over, absurd. but... <laughs> We're not gonna. <laughs> Gotta spice things up a little bit. Talking about geriatric pants. That's the... <laughs> so, okay. So, gaming news. What? That's <laughs> just just hard segue into that. So, yeah. um, I think... I don't... This isn't news necessarily, but E3 is coming up. I just had this moment yes. yesterday where I was like, oh, shit. It's just like three and a half weeks away. Right? It's June 12th through the 15th. It's going to be virtual this year. Most of the big names are on board. Nintendo, mm-hmm. Microsoft, Sony's, you know, absent, but they're probably going to have their own thing like they usually do. Um, so they'll still be, quote unquote, there because it's all virtual. So, like, there's no centralized physical location that Sony has to uh, show up to anyway. Right. Um, we're going to, we're going to do a preview podcast the week before where we talk mm-hmm. about our, you know, games that we're expecting and excited for, and then kind of dream, like, I, this is what I really want to see, but I know it's probably right. not going to happen. Um, but how are you feeling about it? I know a lot of people are, it's E3 these past few years have been really contentious. Do you, are you excited? Are you like, eh, okay, whatever? No, I'm definitely excited. I don't have strong feelings of like E3 sucks or whatever. Um, I don't know if the pe- I don't know what the people on the internet are saying. <laughs> uh, I'm just eager for like some video game news, especially in a year. I don't know if you have felt this way, but I feel like it's been a very slow year so far as far as releases, which isn't uncommon for a year in which we have the, the latest, you know, console 
uh, generation. But um, I don't know. I'm eager for some release dates to be announced. <clears throat> Far Cry Horizon. <laughs> um, <laughs> those are the two that I that I really want because from what we can tell, they're actually going to be released this year. So it'd be nice to have some more details and just to see like what are some new projects and things like that. So I'm always eager for E3 regardless of the sort of like, I guess, setup of E3. But what are you thinking and feeling about it? I am also excited. I think I mostly echo a a lot of gamers. It seems like a lot of gamers are very excited every year. And Mm -hmm. then there's this like streak of cynicism on social media, you know, and um, that type of narrative is always based around the idea that like E3 is done, E3 is, and it's like, we don't, I don't think anyone really cares about the institution of E3. I think it's, the deluge of gaming news and trailers and exciting Mm -hmm. announcements and stuff like that. Like that's what we care about. We care that it's all centralized and like in one place. So, um, and that's what I'm excited about. And I think this being the first full year with these new consoles Mm -hmm. could, you know, mean that we're going to get projects that have been in the works for two to three years, but weren't ready for launch, but have had more time to get polished. And so I'm, I'm super excited about that. Uh, but yeah, so we'll we'll definitely be covering that later. The other bit of kind of big gaming news this past week has been um, IGN and Game Informer were at the center of some corporate overreach, I think. It's mm-hmm. been all over Twitter. I think that's kind of been the big, big thing on Twitter that's been uh, discussed in the gaming community. And what happened was both IGN and Game Informer, along with a couple of other sites, but those were the two big ones, posted uh, pages on their sites that were uh, listing different organizations that aided uh, mostly children, Mm -hmm. but a lot of victims in the Palestinian um, conflict with Israel. I don't know if I would say even conflict. Israel seems to be attacking uh, the Gaza Strip and Palestine, and Mm -hmm. um, it's it's an overwhelmingly one-sided effort on Israel's part. And so there's been a lot of victims and a lot of uh, fallout. And um, both IGN and Game Informer set up these pages where they were pulling all these resources where you can go and donate to the the effort to support Palestinian relief funds for children and, and, and things like that. And out of nowhere, both of them were just pulled from their sites. And on Twitter, a lot of the employees of those sites, IGN and Game Informer, were posting things that were sort of cryptically frustrated uh, and what it came out was the parent companies of both of those organizations um, took down the pages without the knowledge mm-hmm. or approval of the IGN or Game Informer editorial staff. And then last night, IGN released a letter uh, that basically, let me pull up a little synopsis here, um, basically kind of stood up against that. They said that they were appalled by their parent company's decision to, quote, subvert our editorial autonomy and remove our post directing aid to the Palestinian civilians currently suffering a humanitarian crisis in Gaza, the West Bank and Jerusalem. Uh, They called it a clear instance of corporate overreach that demonstrated blatant disregard for the most basic standards of journalistic integrity and editorial independence. Um, They said they feel the decision to remove the original article and social posts, as well as the subsequent statement from management is not only actively harmful to IGN's public reputation to its employees, but also highly disrespectful to much of its content team and broader staff. The statement, this is the part I think that's that's super frustrating. It says the statement inaccurately ascribes the retraction to those, quote, across IGN 
rather than to the members of the of our upper management team who made the decision. Right. So it was very clear. And they did it in the middle of the night. Um, they, they posted it at like midnight, I think it was. And it, it does. It just shows like there's a lot of suspicion around games journalism. There's a lot of people, not a lot, but there are some very vocal, problematic people who are constantly like, oh, games journalism is bullshit and they're just paid off and blah, blah, blah. Um, and when stuff like this happens, it's like you're not doing these journalists, these writers who are doing good work justice. Like they're fi- constantly fighting against those accusations of being unfair and being biased and being paid off. And then you're going to step in and basically give support to those people that are like, oh, see, you're just doing whatever your upper management tells you. I mean, it's great that they released the the letter. And I think that shows a lot of, um, I don't say courage. Courage might be a, a bit of an uh, exaggeration in terms of like, I don't want to conflate these kinds of efforts with other kinds of efforts that would be considered yeah, courageous. But yeah. it's, it's it was pretty brave of them to put their, because they, they, many of the IGN staff, not all of them, but many of them, added their names to the letters so there was like i think 30 or 40 names on there um so it's it's just it's it's really a disappointing situation uh and i don't know that ign or game informer parent companies are going to end up being held accountable unfortunately but i'm glad to see ign fighting back essentially yeah yeah absolutely i mean (laughs) there's really no other way to look at this apart from it being politically motivated censorship. Mm -hmm. And I do think that someone needs to be held accountable for that. I will be surprised, though, if there are any further statements or if there's any public-facing, I guess, accountability. But I guess one can can hope. Yeah. I mean, worst-case scenario, people at IGN who did put their name on the letter will end up, you know, facing consequences, and that would be terrible. But... I'm hoping that it that doesn't then mean that the 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 result is just going to be a stalemate of like IGN corporate parent you know parent company being like, well we won't there won't be no repercussions let's just go back to normal you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, so yeah that's you know that's again not not a fun not a fun story but definitely an important one, mm-hmm. um, what I, I know you you had something, um. Oh, just that uh, we now have it confirmed that Far Cry 6 will release this year, and it is supposed to be releasing before September, um, and this was confirmed via a, um, what, was it an investment call? Is that what that's referred to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that, I think, is good news, because I, I know from, just from, you know, following people and communities across like Twitter and various subreddits that there's a lot of speculation about like, why is this the year that so many games are being delayed as if there's some sort of conspiracy when I think it's probably just, well, new console year, also pandemic. Like I think there's probably a lot of logistical things that are up in the air. And I didn't look at the delay for Far Cry 6 as being anything necessarily out of the ordinary. Um, but I, as you know, I'm, I am excited to play it. So I was happy to see that it is actually coming out this year. So I imagine E3 will probably get a release date. And you said before September? 
I'm pretty. Did I have that wrong, or is it by by the end of September? I I don't I, I don't remember. It's just that's I September would be I think maybe a normal release window. I can't remember. Ubisoft does things in a very weird way. Um, but part of it is like if it's not September or before September, then before September, then mm-hmm. by the end of the year, definitely. Like maybe they they would have said September because it was a an investment call, and so of course you want your investors to you know not not pull out on you um Mm -hmm. but because that that seems like more of like a november or an october kind of game you know like right before black friday and stuff but uh either way i mean like you said coming out Mm -hmm. this year is is great before the end of september huh yeah yeah late september i think would make sense yeah Mm -hmm. okay cool yeah. Hopefully we'll see that I bet we'll see something at E three. I bet that's what it'll yeah. be. It'll be like a release yeah. date and all that stuff. So so that's cool. Speaking of first person shooters, I don't play Warzone, Call of Duty Warzone. Um, but because it's very stressful. But <laughs> <laughs> John McClain and John Rambo are coming to Call of Duty Warzone along with Nakatomi Plaza as a playable location this week. And that I just think I grew up in the eighties, so of course I love a lot of cheesy eighties action movies. Give me the diehards and the Schwarzenegger movies and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, and, and also because they have Rambo, I bet, I bet they approached uh, Schwarzenegger about using his likeness and using uh. probably like you know Dutch from the Predator or something like, or maybe even Terminator. But uh, or maybe that's future content. We've seen Predator and you know Schwarzenegger make appearances in other media, so I wouldn't be surprised. But um, Kind of pulling a Fortnite. It definitely, yeah. They're having this like shared universe now where John McClane and Rambo are fighting next to each other. So um, it's stuff like that that will draw people in, though. Like, I have a little bit of a twitch when I read that. Like, oh, damn, that would be kind of cool to play Nakatomi Plaza. So um, do you have any interest in Warzone, like, ever? Uh, do you think you'll ever yes, play it? Yes, I would totally be playing it now really? if I had friends to play it with. Well, <laughs> you don't have any friends, so. This is true. <laughs> um well maybe we'll have to try it then at some point but uh the other thing one last thing i don't even i just saw this i was scanning the the gaming sites for news and i don't even really know my full feelings about it but i did have a a kind of gut reaction um so ebay is banning adult content (laughs) completely including games any games that are rated um, NC-17 or A for Adult, NC-17, that's the movie designation, um, mm-hmm. A for Adult or previous ratings of like X or triple X or anything like that. Wow. Um, and all like po- quote unquote pornographic content. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not banning sex toys or uh, sexually suggestive clothing. Um, hmm. But Interesting. Yeah. And under their, on their site, there's a little section that says, why does eBay have this policy? And it says, we want to make adult items available to those who wish to purchase them and can do so legally, while preventing those who do not wish to view or purchase these items from easily accessing them. Currently, the way that their policy is set up is that you can't show nudity. Um, and you have to go through like very specific ways to find this kind of content. It's been a while since I've, okay. I've done that. But um, so I think this, why does eBay have this policy is, is applied to that and not their new policy which is we're not even going to have any of it because again first part of their explanation for why they have the policy is we want to make adult items available to those who wish to purchase them apparently you don't because that's going away so (laughs) um again i don't really have full thoughts on it i just don't i you know 
it just feels very restrictive and and it's it's furthering that idea that like sex or sexuality is unhealthy and Mm -hmm. um and you already have a lot of restrictions on who can access it so so i don't really buy the well we're trying to to save the children i think that's always like a really that's a pot that that certain types like to beat to to be more restrictive and more censor censoring you know sexuality and things like that so i i I think i'm very annoyed by this but again i don't really have i don't really have full full thoughts on it but um there's not a lot of adult games anyway so i guess it doesn't really make a big difference to gamers but yeah um what else anything else in the news or anything else that's been going on not that i can think of other than um obviously mass effect came out over the weekend um, I'm sure maybe you're going to say a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. um, I haven't started yet. I have it installed. We're, we're all good. Um, but I will be I will be starting that this week. That You're right. That's been the other discussion point that's that's been popping up a lot on gaming Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly po- very positive stuff. I've seen a lot of positive yeah. reviews. The Digital Foundry walkthrough um, of like the tech specs and stuff like that was very cool and enlightening. A um, couple couple negative things here and there i think a lot of it's like people who didn't play the old ones and are expecting it to be a remake and not a remaster but yeah you know like you said we'll 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 talk about that but what have you been playing uh not very much just because i was busy getting my life together to go on a trip to visit certain people um (laughs) (laughs) made a trip to uh illinois over the weekend which was a blast um so I didn't really have a ton of like gaming time, but I've just what I what I did play was just Far Cry Five, as I said last week, just kind of picking away a little bit more at some of the um, in game game objectives and clearing you know special items on the map, that kind of thing. I've been doing the same for Resident Evil Village, so I've I think by the last podcast I I had gone through it twice, mm-hmm. and now I've gone through it four times, so. Uh, I played through it on, I played through it normal on regular, like normal difficulty. And then I think I played through it on easy. Then I did another normal run and now I just finished a hardcore run. Um, and so I still need to beat it on village of shadows difficulty, which is like super hard. Oh shit! And the base game, the normal game wasn't very difficult. I didn't, I, I found it to be one of the easier resident evils. Um, but on, on hard, on difficult or I think it's just hard uh it was it was hard it was very there were a few points where I I got stuck so I imagine on shadows village of shadows difficulty it's going to be very difficult I haven't had to use a guide yet but I feel like that might be the time where I have mm. to pull that out for some of the bosses um, I might want to watch you play that on the difficulty. it's gonna uh, <laughs> part of it is like you start out of course with nothing you get they mm-hmm. give you a handgun and like 11 rounds of ammo and then they're like here's just wave after wave of of werewolf coming into this town to kill you (laughs) and on hard i literally again i had literally 11 rounds of pistol ammo that could barely kill one werewolf and i'm like how the how do you do this on on super hard like it's just gonna be so you're just gonna we're gonna get to that part of the game and you're like yeah actually i don't think i want to watch you anymore because this is the 17th time you've died (laughs) But I am still loving it. Um, 
I, I still I, I want to play through it more, but I also wanted to get started on Mass Effect. So one of the things I think we mentioned previously that I'm really excited about is that um, our friend group is all going to be playing it basically at the same time. So our friend Russell just started it, mm-hmm. uh, I think two days ago or yesterday, or two days ago, I think it was. I started it yesterday. I know you're starting it this week at some point. Amy is starting it soon. Our friends Paul and Jacqueline are going to be starting it soon if they haven't already started. So... I'm excited for all of us to be able to to play and kind of talk about it. Um, I played for, I don't even remember, I don't even know how long. I lost track of time yesterday, but I am still on the Citadel. So if you've played it before, you know that the Citadel is kind of massive space station that you um, end up at early in the game. And it's kind of like this home base where there's a bunch of side quests and stuff to kind of get you acclimated to the game and mission structures and all that kind of stuff. And I just got... I just got hooked there. I just got, you know, ca- caught in the the side quest cycle of like, oh, well, I'll just go do this real quick. Oh, it's, you know, on my way to this is this other person who has a quest and I'll let me just go do that. So um, I am definitely hooked. I'm loving it. Um, I, I can't believe how good it looks. I mean, this is like a 13 year old game and it it in some ways it looks like a 13 year old game. Like some of the Mm -hmm. facial animations are not what we're used to uh, because mo capping and, and rendering and all that kind of stuff has gotten so much better over the years that now we're, we're used to kind of photorealistic people's faces. Like horizon zero dawn was incredible at that Mm -hmm. had incredible facial animations and body animations. Um, So it has a little bit of that like old school, animation jank um but it's at the time when it came out it was like leaps and bounds above the other western rpgs like um previous bioware games like the knights of the Little republic games or uh the the bethesda games like fallout and and skyrim or yeah fall yeah fallout and skyrim um and and so at the time it was, I don't know if I, I, I guess I would say cutting edge, it, like the facial animations at the time were like very impressive. <laughs> now they hold up mostly, but there are, <laughs> are times where like a shopkeeper will be like, what do you buy? And it'll cut back to my character who look insane because my head's tilted a certain way. And so my <laughs> eyes are like looking down at him like, show me what you got. And it's a little weird, but for the most part, I, the game just looks, the, the textures are amazing. The lighting is actually really impressive. Um, so I think, I think I'm really impressed with how I wasn't expecting it to look this good. I was like, Oh, as long as you give me the old game with a nice, you know, shiny coat of paint, but it it looks like they really went out all out on updating the visuals. So, um, well, I'm looking forward to dipping my toes in that. Um, speaking of remasters real quick, did you see, uh, Saints Row the third remastered is heading to the xbox and the ps5 um may 25th i did yeah and then the other thing maybe you also saw this then grand theft um, auto 5 the expanded and enhanced version of grand theft auto 5 launching on ps5 and xbox uh november 11th so yeah that is pretty cool I'm, I'm curious about what that means like expanded i'm sure they they have they've already said what that is but i I wasn't really keeping up with it because I was like, well, I can already play the PS4 version on my PS5. So, like, I don't know how much that's going to... And we only pop in every now and then. So Mm -hmm. it's not, you know, I don't know how much it's going to change our... But I'll still, you know, check it out. Yeah, I definitely want to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, we'll probably have to pay for it though, because I don't think it'll be a free upgrade. If I, if I do, you think it's going to be like five something? I don't know, like because um, you could you could buy just Red Dead online, and wasn't that like five ninety nine or four ninety nine? It was twenty dollars, but there was like a an incentive oh, if you bought it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, like okay. right away or something like that, where you can get it for five bucks. Mm-hmm. So, um, part part of me expects that, but like looking at the way that rockstar monetizes in-game mm-hmm. stuff it's in an incredibly greedy way so i'm not super <laughs> my my hopes aren't super True. high yeah. um but i i am gonna check it out especially yeah. if it's uh cheap enough but um definitely all right anything anything else like you said we you came into town we played some card games with uh, our friends amy and russell those were yeah, pretty yeah. fun we didn't play any video games i thought we would end up playing no we games, didn't but... we didn't we watched movies and yeah. chatted and ate good food and played some board games so um yeah. i ended up i don't know if i told you but i ended up buying cat lady <laughs> <laughs> and um uh, is it dragonwood is that what that Ah, that sounds familiar. I, I just think, kept calling it the adventure game. <laughs> oh yeah, well we bought the adventure game. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they were so simple, and and you know both of us were we're both we don't like overwhelming board games or card games with tons of rules, mm-hmm. and both of those were so easy to get into, and yeah. they're very quick to play. So I definitely recommend them for people that are um, sometimes intimidated by the complexity mm-hmm. of certain board games and card games or just even need like a good sort of launching point to get into yeah that kind of game space so yeah definitely so what are we talking about what's our what's our feature for this week we are going to talk about seasonal games but by seasonal um we're not necessarily talking about Games that are, like, tied to specific seasons as far as, like, their setting or their content, but just games that we sort of associate with the seasons. Right. Um, I see in the notes you say that there may be some overlap. I was thinking about mine's. I don't think there's any overlap. It's purely <laughs> just, like, when it's spring, I think of this. When it's summer, I think of this. So that that's the approach that I took. Yeah. I When I when I wrote that in the notes, I was it was before I'd come up with my own list. Um, and it was just because I was like, I can I can see myself picking games that were where like there there is a game on there that we both have on there that I, I won't, won't spoil. Um, <laughs> but that that game in particular has a lot of seasonal. Yes. You know, symbolism and iconography and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was we were we were talking about games for the summer that we were excited for and I was flooded by these these memories of certain games and I was like that must be some kind of gamer phenomenon of of like <laughs> you know, we associate certain games with certain seasons for whatever reason and I think mm-hmm. our lists show a sort of variety of of reasons. Um and I'm curious if other gamers I'm I'm sure they do, but I'm I'd be really curious if other gamers have this. So if you if you if we're talking through some of these and you have strong memories associated with certain games and certain seasons, feel free to write to us at prettypixelspodcast at gmail.com and share your experiences. We'd love to share them on the show. Um, but let's, let's start. Do we want to start with summer since that's coming up and that's kind of what started or do you want to start? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. So Um, what games do you associate with summer? Okay. So I have one in particular that I don't really think I've talked about too much on the podcast, but it's a game that so many people are familiar with, The Witcher 3. Mm-hmm. So 
That game launched in May of 2015, and I played that game like all summer long. Um, but a little bit of like context. So by about 2013, I was pretty regularly watching Twitch streams and I was like tuned in to certain streamers and their communities. And it was through Twitch that I became aware of The Witcher 3. I hadn't really heard of like CD Projekt Red or the previous games before that. Um, and I can remember watching a stream where um, the streamer had uh, access to the game early or they, they had like a couple of hours that they could play right. um, ahead of the ahead of the launch and I just remember being like sucked in by the witcher's world like it seemed so just like moody gritty and just kind of mysterious and I was like what is this this looks amazing so I I knew that I was like I'm, I'm gonna get this game I'm gonna play it so in May of 2015, you and I graduated um, with our master's degrees, and I was at this point probably, you know, packed up and headed back to Michigan. And I was somewhat unsure of like what I wanted to do next in my life. Like I knew that I wanted to continue. Um, I wanted to continue on for the PhD, but the timing just wasn't right at that point in time for me. Right. So I went back to Michigan and I was leaving behind, you know, these people that I had spent significant time with for, for two years. And grad school, as we talked about a while ago, can be pretty intense, you know. Um, and our friendship, I felt like, was pretty strong at that time. And, like, I was sad to, like leave that behind, at least like physically, you know, being, right. being in different states. Um, and so having The Witcher 3 was really great for me because it gave me this space back in Michigan where I could just like, I had this game and it's a pretty deep and rich game and I could just be like totally absorbed into it and not really let myself think too actively about like, the more negative sides of like, I've just wrapped up this specific like portion of my life. I left some of my friends behind, you know, wh what am I doing? And so I have strong feelings for The Witcher in part, not just, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing game. Um, I think it shows a little bit of wear <laughs> at this, at this point in time, but, um, I think I'd have to say that The Witcher 3 was probably the second game after Elder Scrolls um, Oblivion that really captured me in its in its world, in its lore, in the general design. And, you know, it had this, you and I have talked about this before, but this just like magical feeling. And so looking back at it, I do have um, quite a sense of like nostalgia and like warm feelings for it. Um, and I, I just think it served as like a wonderful, it served this wonderful function of distraction at a time when I really needed it. And that's not to like ding at the game at all. It is a great game on its own, but couple that with just like where I was at, at that time. And it was just like perfect for me in the summer of 2015. Um, and so that is a game that I definitely think about <laughs> over, uh, over the summers. I wonder if we're going to see a trend in these of um, of games providing us solace during a specific season. I have another one. Because <laughs> when you were saying that, I was like, oh, man, that sounds so much like a story that I'm going to tell. Mm -hmm. um, and so maybe that's it. Because when you, cause I think this is a perfect example of what we're talking about when it comes to 
um, memories that we associate and like feelings and not necessarily theme or setting. Because when you say The Witcher 3, I do not think summer. Like right. there's the Blood and Wine DLC, which is mm-hmm. very summery because you're in this like fictional version of what I assume is France and there's vineyards and everything is bright and colorful. But the core, the base world of Witcher 3 is not that. It's very, like you said, it's moody. If I had to assign it to a season, it would be fall. Like, yeah, like late fall. Because there's like, I, there's the whole, I don't remember the, Amy's going to kill me. I don't remember the the ice, (laughs) ice land. When you're going ice into snow. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) There's that area. Um, So, but even like on the the main continent, everything is just so grim. The woods and like the beasts and shit. Like it's very fall spooky. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in terms of like a feeling, like if you would have said what, what season does the Witcher 3 make you think of? I would have, I would have probably said fall or winter. Um, But for you, especially because of like timing and situation, Mm -hmm. you not only played it in the summer, but it like you know provided this very important function right um mine for summer i have two kind of and they're for two different reasons which is why i have two but the persona games for me is it served the same function like you're saying so number one i think being in academia it's so hard to play these big meaty time-consuming rpgs during the semester oh yeah because when you get sucked into them you want to play a lot and you're gameplay time over the semester is very much dictated by how much free time you have and if you start feeling anxious about how much you have to do like we talked about on the previous podcast um the previous episode then you start feeling guilty sinking a lot of times into games and so sitting down for a big four or five hour session of an rpg might not feel rewarding and so when you have a sense that a game is going to be like that it seems like both of us have this habit of like, well, I'll wait for winter break or I'll wait for summer break. And that's what I did with Persona 5. Persona 5 came out in the spring semester mm-hmm. of 2017. And I was like, I just, I'm not going to have time. I'll wait and then play it over the summer. And that particular year, I was going through a lot of personal stuff in my life that was leaving me feeling uncertain about the future and emotionally turbulent i guess to say the least and so i came to it with the with the knowledge that it was going to be a big game it was my very first persona game um and so i was excited for it but i was also feeling just kind of like not emotion i wasn't in 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 a great state emotionally um but then i started playing it over the summer and i it was sort of like you were saying it provided this really important function for me because i got lost in that world and those characters and that world is so that that narrative through that world is like so well constructed and the characters are so colorful and lively and well written that it provided this perfect escape and i had a lot of free time that summer so i really just kind of dived in i i beat it three times that summer alone (laughs) um and and so when i play it and there's parts of the game that are in summer and your characters like Mm -hmm laying in bed and you throw the sheet off and like you know you're just kind of laying there because it's really hot and you hear the japanese cicadas in the distance and and so i remember playing it and i would play and it it would be so late it'd be like three or four in the morning and i'd be like oh i really got to go to sleep and so i would like turn it off and i'd have my windows open and the breeze would be coming in and i'd hear the bugs chirping outside of my window (laughs) and so yeah i have this very strong strong connection to those for similar reasons of yours 
Um, and then the other series is the Dead or Alive Extreme series, which is a volleyball series starring the the um, ladies from the Dead or Alive series and a couple of other team team ninja. Is it team ninja? I was I always get those. There's like two or three ninja development mm. studios, okay. um, but the, those games. Like there, there are certain games that are set. So this is more about setting. There are certain games that are set in like tropical locales or like beach type things. Because this is a beach volleyball series um, that I'll save for summer because I'm like, ooh, those feel like a summer game. And like, right. I'm not going to probably go to the beach all that much this summer. And I'm not going to be playing volleyball with scantily clad ninja ladies. But this is my opportunity. Like, it's like a little bit of like a, you know... Um, it has the flavor of summer for me. And so I kind of associate certain games like that, like beach type stuff with summer because I almost sort of like force that connection, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. What about fall? Fall is, I feel like, an interesting one. What do you... Yeah, so this is going to follow a a similar theme of games as coping. Um, so for fall, I associate The Elder Scrolls for Oblivion. Um, and so specifically it would be the fall semester of 2010. So, um, to get personal, but not too personal, uh, <laughs> I was, I was an undergrad. I would have been starting sophomore year. And one of the like biggest markers in my life at the time was, um, that my, my grandmother was really sick and she was dying. And I was like having a hard time with that. And one day I, um, I, so so I worked on campus and I was working in this particular office. Um, actually, I think it was I worked in the computer lab and I also worked in the office. So in the evenings where I worked in the computer lab, it was really quiet because hardly anyone came in because it was evening. <laughs> <laughs> and so before that like shift, I had gone to Walmart and I was just like, I was wandering around. I was in the electronics section and I was looking at the PC games. And all I had at the time was just my my laptop for school, but it was actually a pretty decent laptop for, for 2010. Um, and I saw this game and it was, I, I think I have the physical copy somewhere, but I don't know where it is. Um, but it was the version of the game that had like all of the stickers or whatever of like game of the year, da -da 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 -da, like really selling this like version of right. um, the Elder Scrolls Oblivion. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And I picked it up and I looked at the back and it was like fantasy world, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, it's Walmart. It's on sale. Fuck it. Why not? <laughs> Dude. And so you had I... never heard of the Elder Scrolls before that. No, wow. at least not in a way that I was like, Oh, yeah, I know what that is. Yeah. But bear in mind, um, and this will tie into my spring story, I didn't really get into PC gaming kind of like hardcore, put that in air quotes, um, until a little bit later. So I would just like cobble together whatever would work on like the computer that I had. Um, and this was, of course, before I owned my own consoles, too. So but anyways... That was like the best decision ever because, again, <laughs> like I, I I can remember, dude, sitting in the car waiting for my shift to start and I would have this bulky laptop and, of course, it had the CD-ROM drive and I'd pop the game disc in and I would play for like 20 minutes in my car waiting for my shift to start. Like I was obsessed with this game. I loved it. I played it all the time, probably more than I should have for it being a semester in undergrad. <laughs> um, but again, it was like... It was one of those games that really opened my 
my my mind to like whoa games can be like big they can right. be like actual open worlds and like i could spend all my time in like this little you know village area or whatever or i could like go and explore these caves over here and like mm-hmm. i get to decide what the fuck i want to do like that truly was mind blowing for me and I, mean, I don't know maybe that seems silly but that that was definitely it, a twofold thing it showed me what games could could do and what what they like currently were um but also it gave me that escape so it was a place where i just didn't have to think about what was happening in my life and like the emotional stuff that was like you know difficult to handle um it i guess it kind of makes it sound like i'm always avoiding things i promise i (laughs) I do process them (laughs) well no but that is Um, one important function of games for many people though is like we do we do play them to have fun of course but sometimes Mm -hmm. you need something to distract you from painful stuff and like that yeah that's that i with Elder Scrolls, with Oblivion in particular, I had a similar situation because I had I didn't have a gaming PC at the time, and or I did, but it was really shitty, and mm-hmm. so I had gotten an Xbox, and I was expired, uh, expired, I was expired, <laughs> Spider Man, I was excited about the original Xbox because because it was Microsoft, and because a lot of the internal components of the the system were so similar to a PC. There were a lot of PC games being ported over to the original Xbox, including Oblivion. And I had read about it on gaming sites and they were like, it's truly an open world game. And the way they described it was like in the Grand Theft Auto games, which were some of the earliest examples of these open world sandbox type games, it was still very not linear necessarily in terms of what you could do, but linear in terms of what the game wanted you to do. So it sort of guided you along on the story and you unlocked certain areas, you know, due to the story and things like Mm -hmm. that. So it wasn't like a true open world, go wherever you want, do whatever you want kind of situation. But the way they described Oblivion was, and so like I got it and I played it and I was overwhelmed because I was like, what the okay well what do i do though because i'm so used to games kind of holding my hand right um but it was such an exhilarating feeling of like like you said i can go to this cave i can go to this town um i can i can join this guild or that guild and like it was and so i i feel like i didn't do that game justice because i ended up playing like 50 or 60 hours but then walking away and not finishing the story because uh, i was playing it in I, I would say quote unquote wrong, at least mm-hmm. in terms of like how I had played games before that, which was just play and enjoy them. I was playing it like a completionist because I was so used to doing everything in the RPGs that I was playing. Right. Um, but I don't think you're necessarily meant to do everything in these games. You're meant to kind of pick a path and follow mm-hmm. it. But I was like, well, hold on. I have to do everything in this guild. And then I have to do everything in this guild. And then I, but if you're trying to role play and play a character, that's hard because then you get mm-hmm. to the, what is it? The dark brotherhood, mm-hmm. the assassin's guild or whatever it is. Yeah. And they're like, just go kill this random person. And I'm like, I can't, I'm a good guy, you know? So <laughs> it was very hard for me, but um, I can see how a game like that, especially that at that point in your life, would have provided like just such a distraction because like you said it was like one of the first of its kind in terms of being this massive open world yeah you know do whatever you want kind of thing mm-hmm. um i have a very different game for fall uh stardew valley and this is i don't have an anecdote really for this one it's just when when it's when the weather starts changing and i start seeing 
you know, different colored leaves and I feel a little bit of like crisp on the air and I'm starting to think about apples and apple cider and stuff like that. I think of Stardew Valley every year and I don't know what it is. I think it's because like fall is one of the most obvious and notable changes in season Mm -hmm. because of the colors and because of how thematic everything gets with color schemes and things like that. And so that makes me think of how sudden the changes in seasons are in Stardew Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not gradual at all. It's just boom. It's, it's <laughs> Bam, fucking fall. It <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it feels like that, I think, in real life for me. Um, but Stardew Valley, like the way everything changes and the the way that there's kind of like a new filter over the world. Um, and again, there's like, I don't remember. What's the fall festival? The pumpkin? No. Oh, God. I've played the game like three times and I don't I don't remember what the fall but like something harvest right yeah and there's oh, like it's the maze and everything yeah I can't remember but oh, good. but it's so and then and you can get like little Halloween like the pumpkins and everything it's mm-hmm. it's it's so kind of reflective of real life that I've become more open to fall I used to hate fall in real life um but in part because of Stardew Valley and how it treats fall, I've warmed up to it. And I'm now each fall, I'm trying to embrace the the fun side of it or the fun aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I guess that's why I, you know, not not a fun story, but that's why I associate fall with with Stardew Valley. I couldn't escape it when I when I was thinking like, OK, let's not go with Stardew Valley. I don't have a story for that. And then I'm like, <laughs> but it kept it kept my brain just kept going back to it. So right. You had to. How about winter? What do you what games make you think of winter? Well, actually, my winter game is Stardew Valley. Oh, um, wow, look at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, let's be honest, we knew this was coming, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, Stardew Valley is just the most perfect cozy game, really regardless of the time of year, but it is especially welcoming in winter Mm -hmm. so for a couple reasons um one in winter we usually have like a month where we are off from teaching and so i don't always feel like i have enough time to like tackle a gigantic game especially if i have to do some prep work for the next semester um and so a game like stardew valley is nice to just like pop in and out of and you could make you could make a lot of progress in a month um if you even you know play that long uh but it's good for that and then also you know i i live in michigan um the winters here can be can be harsh uh, and that sometimes leaves me feeling stuck inside with no end in sight and so again (laughs) just like the cozy factor it's adorable even though i've played through it multiple times i still find it a very delightful experience and I'm not sure that that's ever going to change because like just when I get tired of it, like I'll, I'll set it down and walk away. And then like six months or a year later, I'm like kind of feeling that itch for Stardew Valley. So it's 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 a wonderful game. And I think I'm always going to kind of cherish my time with it. The soundtrack is so killer. And when you say winter, like in Stardew Valley, I think of the winter theme automatically Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so it's like you, I, I, that's the soundtrack in that game is one of the things that, um, I love that the music changes cause you, you don't, I, I never got sick of any of the tracks, but mm-hmm. you get so used to them. So when the season changes, it's like everything feels different and sounds different. Um, 
and it and it takes a couple of days to kind of get used to it and you feel a little bit sad because you were just feeling like you were getting hitting your stride in that last season right right um man i love that game though yeah that that's yeah. a that's a great choice um i have another two games for winter okay. <laughs> <laughs> um because one of them is what you're talking about where i had a, a break so this is going way back to i want to say 2007 or 8 okay. um I had two weeks of leave. I was in the military at the time, and I had two weeks of leave saved up near the end of the year, or three. I think I might have had three weeks. Um, and I had just bought a house with my... It must have been before 2007 then. I don't remember. Whenever Dragon Quest Eight came out, that it was that winter. Um, and I bought the game on uh, that fall when I was on leave. It had just come out. It was the week that it came out. And I was on leave, um, and I'd come back up to the Chicagoland area to spend time with my family and friends, and I had a bunch of spending money in my pocket, and my friend and I went to Best Buy, and I want to say that might have been the week the Xbox 360 was being released, maybe, as well. Oh, okay. But uh, we were in, we just went to Best Buy, just kind of on a whim, just to see what happened, and there were a bunch of people lined up outside. If it wasn't for the Xbox 360, it was maybe for a Halo or something. And there was this display in the the door, this cardboard display that was like very prominent for Dragon Quest VIII. And I looked at the artwork, and it's the uh, same artist. I'm forgetting his name now, um, which is shameful, but it's the same artist that does Chrono Trigger in Dragon Ball Z. Um, and I so the artwork was so colorful, and it looked so fun, and it looked like this very traditional fantasy RPG. And I was like, oh, why does this feel so right? There was something that was like pulling pulling at my soul. And I picked it up and it was super heavy because it turns out to have a full color, very thick um, booklet, if we remember those yeah, things. Cool. And um, so I bought it on a whim and I was like, I don't know why, but this feels like a game for me. Um, so I bought it then and then I didn't play it because I was obviously I was on leave. But when I came back home from, from Illinois back to Alabama, my ex at the time we just bought a house um she went on leave to go see her family in pennsylvania so i had another week or two weeks in this brand new house um i could only unpack so much because i had to wait for her to come back so we could like you know unpack and decorate and stuff and so this like half unpacked house whole house to myself and i was like i guess i'll dive into this new game that i bought and i got so hooked and i love that game so much and part of it is because again going through this like big kind of like you know, turbulent change in my life, um, which at the time was pretty exciting, but also very scary yeah. and all these kinds of things. Um, and it just, I, I just lost myself and I don't remember like anything else about that time because I just got so, it was one of those kinds of games that I wake up thinking about playing it. And I, as soon as I can, I start playing it. And then I lose track of time and I'm like, oh my God, it's three in the morning and I go to sleep thinking about it and then I wake up thinking about it. You know what I mean? It's one of those mm -hmm. kinds of games where it's just really consumed my life. The other game that I have for winter is Chrono Trigger and this is a little bit of a shorter anecdote and I played that also when it came out in the fall, early winter and there's a part in the game where it's uh, this, this place called Death Peak and it's a very like wintry mountain that you have to go up and there's like you know it's it's 2d of course because it's the super nintendo but there's mm -hmm. this like snow effect where it's like two or three layers of these the snow like you know 
blowing across the screen um, and the howling wind and you have to like uh, move up the screen and when the wind starts blowing hard you have to get behind a tree to like you know or otherwise you get blown off the screen and so it's a it's a at the time it was very tricky um, to kind of make your way up the mountain and there's all these different hazards and it's all you know again it's all very wintry and at the time I was playing it I was I was feeling the same way about Chrono Trigger that I was Dragon Quest I was like so hooked and I I, I was in school at the time and so I would go to school and I'd be like I just want to be at home playing Chrono Trigger and I remember we had this big snowstorm and I was leaving school and I had to walk across this big field to get to the bus stop I didn't have to but I chose to because i was Mm -hmm. like in eighth grade or something so i was just you know i was like gotta take the shortcut and we had this big snowstorm so there's like two two or three feet of snow in this field and i stupidly decided to walk across it but like weirdly it felt sort of exciting because i felt like i was in the game you know what i mean like the Ah. wind was blowing it was snowing i'm literally like trudging through like untouched snow it felt very like story-like and like cinematic um and i will forever think of chrono trigger whenever i'm like whenever i see like new snow or like new you know kind of fresh snowfall so that's cool (laughs) yeah yeah spring was hard for me i had a hard time coming up with one for spring what did you what did you have all right i have two for spring oh so i do not remember how old i was but i associate harvest moon on the n64 with spring and it was one of those times where uh me and my siblings were visiting um our cousins and they of course you know they always had like the latest console the hottest games that kind of thing and they showed me harvest moon and i was like you can just like (laughs) farm and have a dog and shit what the fuck (laughs) so that laid down the groundwork for stardew valley much later (laughs) um i don't really have like very strong memories of actually playing it and part of that um and this is what's kind of a little sad to me but i would play it but like we were all hanging out for like a weekend or whatever like no one was just gonna sit around and let me play on the n64 by myself for hours on end so I only got to play like a couple of days probably in, mm. in game and that was it. But like that has just stuck with me for years. Um, and I very much I just very much associate that with spring. The second game. So sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Did you so you didn't have an N64 at the time. Did that make you want no. to get one? Yeah, but my parents never would have oh, man. let us. Yeah. 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 I, can I, I see did that, that being have like obsessed my own with console. It, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Didn't have my own console until I was like, wait, when did the PS3 come out? The PS3, that must have been like 2006 or seven. Okay, it was much later in its cycle when I, oh, when I got a hold of that. But Earlier than that, I think. I don't know, but okay. yeah, it's, you know. Anyways, didn't have a console until much closer to yeah. adulthood. Um, my second game is Far Cry 3. So Far Cry 3 released in, I think it was November of 2012. And at the time, I was saving up for my first gaming PC. So like desktop, powerful beast of a PC. Just kidding, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I had seen, I want to say it was the Rad Brad. 
in some of his um, YouTube videos where he was playing through Far Cry. And I was like, this game looks fucking cool. And I want I want to say that really the only other um, first person shooter that I had played before that was probably the Halo games. Um, and so seeing Far Cry and not I wasn't super like aware of that franchise. I was just like, wow, this looks really cool. The gunplay looks good. Also beautiful Island setting like that really pulled me in. Um, But I didn't have anything that I could play it on yet. And so I, like I said, I was saving up for the the gaming rig and then um, I was able to buy it uh, that, that spring semester, which would have been the last semester of my my undergrad and Far Cry 3 was the first game that I bought. I can still picture the little corner where my desk was set up <laughs> and like just how I had my monitor and like playing Far Cry 3 late into the night. So that is definitely a game that I associate with spring. So you mentioned setting and like that island setting. And I'm wondering if mm-hmm. there are people because I mentioned the Dead or Alive games and I was like, oh, they seem like summer games. I'll save them for summer. Yeah. I wonder if there are people and we we actually did this. We talked about Black Flag, mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed 4 Black, Black Flag and how we were like, oh, it's the middle of winter. Wouldn't it be nice to escape to this like tropical paradise? Right. I wonder if there are people, you know, that's so interesting to me because I feel like I do both things. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, I want to be on the beach in December. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I'm like. I'll save this beach game for July because it'll be like hot and right, right. Um, my I like I said, spring was was hard for me because I don't. There are so many games that might come out in the spring that, like I said, I save for summer because I'm like you know, especially right at the end of the semester, I'm not about to start this big RPG when I have a big stack of papers to grade. Mm-hmm. So it was hard for me to think of, and it, even games like the Resident Evil series are are pretty established coming out early in the year between like January and April. Um, I still don't really associate them with fall though, maybe because they have a very spooky vibe and you know, Mm -hmm. like village Resident Evil village doesn't remind me of spring. Right. Um, Again, it's like a fall. (laughs) Not at all. It's so dark and moody. (laughs) And then it it sort of came to me fallout three. I think I played fallout three in the spring but i'm not really sure because that's not really what what i associate with it what i associate with spring and fallout 3 is there was a very specific area in fallout 3 where there was there were trees and foliage and plants and it's like i want to say it's like really far north and it was like this fabled land that you'd read about in like the occasional like note that you'd pick up or you'd hear about it okay and it seemed like a myth because in fallout 3 it's it's takes place in a wasteland everything is destroyed and brown and murky and decaying and there's no greenery there's no trees or anything like that and so i remember hearing about it in the game a couple times and i'm like it's got to be a real place because like you know they wouldn't put that in there and then just never show it to you as it but maybe they would maybe that's the point of it is like people in the wasteland Mm -hmm. hear about this place and you know, uh, you're just not allowed to ever go there. Um, and so then it was, it was like really late in my playthrough that I found it and it was so exciting and it was such a change of scenery. And I think in the fallout games, that's, I really appreciate times like that because I love being in that bleak destroyed wasteland and everything's being all grim. I think that's its own kind of has its own kind of charm. But when you break me out of that because another scene i loved in fallout 3 was when you go into the virtual reality simulation and you're in this like old 1950s like um 
neighborhood and 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 stuff like that um so i really appreciate the change of scenery and it felt to me at the time like spring because being from the midwest you know you go from a lot of snow very cold and then spring starts hitting and you're very excited but for a while things are ugly as shit like the snow (laughs) is melting but it's turning into mud and like like being around so many cars like the snow gets really dirty and gross and so there's and then there's like this like weird murky brown sludge that gets tossed up on on your car and ever and your clothes and everything and so early spring in the midwest is a very disgusting fallout type of (laughs) you know murky brown time um and then after a while after hopefully just a few weeks it gets a lot cleaner the snow's completely melted trees start blooming as things start getting green and so that part in fallout 3 where you go from that like murky brown gross shitty you know setting to this beautiful vibrant green area Mm -hmm. where it's like you're just looking around like oh my god look at all this look at all these plants it's such a change in scenery reminds me of that feeling in in late spring in the midwest where things finally start looking pretty basically Mm -hmm. so so that's my my spring game but as we said we'd love to hear your association so if you have any where we're talking and you're like oh man winter makes me think of this game Mm -hmm. hit us up at pretty pixels podcast at gmail.com we would love to hear from you and maybe share your your associations on the podcast um did you have anything you want to do you want to add add or chime in right here at the end no i don't think so other than i would love to have a new association for fall ubisoft release the game <laughs> far, far cry six <laughs> We'll have to have an update in the fall. <laughs> we just go through all the same games, same stories, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. you just change out your fall. Boop. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, okay. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Next yes. week, we have a very special guest. For for the first time, we're having a guest. We're trying to figure out yeah. how to do having guests on the podcast because we want to kind of spice it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Ron, oft-mentioned maker of our theme music and dear old friend of mine, uh, is going to be joining us to talk about the infamously terrible video game movie adaptations of Uwe Boll. Maybe you've heard of him. He uh, he th- he th- he threatened or challenged. Um, so his movies are, are notoriously bad, and he bought the the rights to make a bunch of different video game adaptations, mm-hmm. and he they were just constantly getting destroyed by critics <laughs> to the point where he like challenged critics. He's like, "Oh, you think you're so so much better than me? Get you know." fight me and so there was actually a boxing match between him and some critic because he was so Wait, tired seriously of, yeah you're looking oh it up? my yeah. god <laughs> well we'll talk about that next week actually that uh, we'll save that for for next week's podcast but we thought um that we would watch some of his movies and talk about them not for fun but to torture ourselves so um ron's gonna join us next week we're gonna watch three movies of his uh alone in the dark postal and blood rain um, he has other video game adaptations. He did Far Cry, which you and I watched together. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he's done Dungeon Siege. Um, that might be his most famous. Maybe. Oh, um, okay. We're not. I mean, I've seen I've seen both of those, but I don't know if we'll necessarily talk about them. But but maybe the three that we're going to watch and talk about together is uh, again Alone in the Dark, Postal, and Blood Rain. So if you have any interest in watching some very terrible 
<laughs> movie adaptations of video There's games. There's going to be so bad. A couple oh, of them are on Amazon Prime. If you have that, you can go watch them. Listen, listen along. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know if excited is the right word. I'm filled with some kind of emotion. I'm like nervously excited. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. It's like, I want to watch them, but I know I'm going to be like halfway through them and be like, what a fucking waste of time. What are we doing? Yep. Yep. But that's next week. So join us, uh, for that until then, again, you can reach us at pretty pixels podcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Losperman uh, and tab at random mocks. Um, reach out, let us know what you think, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.